Hi, I'm John. And I'm Colin. And I'm the White Zone which is for loading and unloading. This is Hold Up. This is the show where we talk about movies from long ago and not so long ago and see if they hold up. Joey, do you like movies about gladiators? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. But do. Cue theme song. Joey, you like movies about gladiators? Cream? No, thank you. I take it black. Like my man. You have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? You ever seen a grown man naked? It's like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Alright. You might think about things sometimes like could a airplane fly with a big knot in its fuselage like on the cover of the 1980 comedy movie airplane airplane folks airplane airplane this flick takes us way way back to the beginning of a number of movies uh from the team of uh, i guess they later later on became known as zaz because it's david zucker Jim Abrams and Jerry Zucker who got together to write and direct this flick which is a is it a satire it's not a real satire but it is a slapstick comedy for sure uh, the first of which sure, yeah. yeah the first in a series from from not only these these people but this kind of started the wave of movies that would go huge into uh, both visual and spoken gags laid the groundwork for some supreme comedies to come up over the next fucking 43 years holy shit not once when I was watching this movie did it occur to me it's 43 years old is that a good thing or a bad thing I don't know but here we go we got a pretty stacked cast with Robert Stack on it I mean that stacks it up a little bit more if you You don't disagree Robert Hayes, Julie Haggerty, <laughs> Leslie Nielsen, Peter Graves, Lloyd Bridges, Lorna Patterson, Stephen Stucker, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Barbara Billingsley, a whole bunch of other faces maybe you would recognize, maybe you wouldn't. Hey, congratulations um, on saying Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Barbara, uh, whatever the fuck you rolled into. Made by Hanna-Barbera. Damn, man. Those are yeah. skills. That's all I'm saying. I, I got the stuff. I got you the got stuff. The stuff. You cut the juice? Nah. Uh, not surprisingly, a, a lower-ish budget, although it's probably in local or uh, time time relevant dollars, of $3.5 million to make this flick, which brought home $170 plus million in the box office. So it was a Holy giant shit. success. And people were ready for comedies of this ilk. Uh, this is based on a film um, that was a kind of disaster film i guess what they were calling it called zero hour which in turn was based on a canadian play um which is really interesting so it goes back and takes its uh takes its direction i guess from some stuff they're trying to spoof or or parody um disaster films which is 
a really funny and smart move to make because no one had really done that up to this point. Not that I know about anyway. This is definitely the most famous movie that went slapstick making fun of another genre. And and um, I mean, obviously, with the success of this movie, did it quite well. Um, I don't know many people who've not seen Airplane. Um, I Brent. was a bit of a late comer. <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean, the people some. that don't know about it. Yeah. Like, and so I had very similar for the first many years of my life where this would be on and I would see some of it. But when I was super young, I didn't like the egg coming out of people's mouths stuff because like that was just a scene I flipped around and that was on. I was like, this movie doesn't look funny. And then it took me a while because you know how kids get their heads set on stuff uh, to realize that this movie is full of lots of funny stuff. Uh, so then I watched it as a bit of a younger adult and didn't get half the jokes, but the other half that I did get, I thought were pretty good. And now that I'm a grown ass man with lots of gray hair, the other part of the jokes really hit home for me. Uh, so nice uh, slow burn on this comedy for for different age groups. What, what's your guys' history on this flick? Oh, I've seen it repeatedly. TV, I think. Yeah, I I may have seen this movie more than any other movie, um, just because when I was a kid, it was one of the only VHSs when I first when we first got a VHS player and uh, we bought it from the video store used or whatever and and I would just me and my brothers would just watch it over and over and it was always on TV, so even if I wasn't trying to watch it, it would I would be inadvertently watching it so. Yeah, I uh, know this movie very well. Yeah, before the days of streaming on-demand content, this definitely would rank up there as one of the movies most shown on late-night TV as you're, you know, it was 1 or 2 a.m. and you're just flipping through trying to find Iron Chef and all of a sudden Airplane would be on. Uh, so that's that's where uh, I got most of my exposure until, yeah, I started watching it a bit more uh that's that's super funny um what do we got the runtime of this movie is like classically awesome 87 minutes you don't want a minute more in this movie you get in you do your thing you get out the um um, why i love this movie is that there's almost no setup uh you just jump right in right like you're you're at the airport immediately and and the the jokes start rolling like I think it's less than three minutes into the movie before an abortion joke gets tossed out, which is very risque <laughs> yeah. for the time, I would yeah. say. But um, in context in this movie, obviously abortions on their own are not funny, but they actually got the same announcers who uh, did the voiceover at LAX. It's a married couple to do that. And that's why the joke kind of birthed out of that. They got the same people to do these announcements. So anyone visiting LAX at the time might have even recognized um, the voices of those two peeps. No way. Uh, that's hilarious. Everyone knows about their abortion. That's right. <laughs> yes, that's true. It makes that joke even funnier to me now, um, knowing yeah. that they're a couple. So so good on the writers for that one. That was a still a good joke. There are a lot of jokes. I, I mean, there are a lot of jokes that have not held up just because they were so timely, like the coffee joke about um, the, he never drinks a second cup at home or whatever. That is like, no one would get that anymore. That joke is so of the time because that was an advertisement that was really popular when the movie came out. There's a, there's a lot of that. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I imagine, there's a lot of people who have no idea who the hell he is uh, and let, until the kid explains that he was a Los Angeles Laker. I haven't heard that name or thought about him uh, well since the last time I watched this movie. 
So the, this movie definitely has um, some things haven't worked with age uh, in its favor, but a lot yeah, of like the, the jokes Ethel, still Ethel do. Kareem yeah, that was another one. Fit into that category, though. He's got a fucking wildly successful uh, show on still. He does? He's just not in your realm. Yeah, he's still around. He's a political activist, big time. Yeah. Are you serious? I'm 100% serious. Ah, oh, I had no idea. Well, I'm just saying yeah. that may have been a bad example. He is. He is but yeah, no, I'm just saying he is still relevant. Uh, I that's agree fair. with the other people and the sentiment, just giving him a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, that's great well, like, that he is still relevant and he's doing these things. I'll have to look him up. Um, like, I think there, there are definitely a couple of jokes like that. The Ethel Merman stuff, I don't think audiences today would maybe, like, I recognize her name, but to see her face, and if that was actually her in the yeah. bed, which it was, I was like, it's uh, 100% I get her, it, but yeah. it's not that funny to me anymore. So, th- I don't this really movie know is, who she is. She could be a politician's wife or a comedian like Joan Rivers or whatever. She's just a, know. she was a singer, like a bad midler, actress. but older. Yeah. Yeah. I love, but like there's a lot of the jokes that are timeless. Like I feel like all of the disco stuff. So the disco scene is one of the most famous scenes and I'll I'll, I'll text it to you guys later because um, Brent might not have noticed, but in Ted, um, when they talk about how they met him and um, Mila Kunis, uh, they, they recreated that scene with him and her in it and they do all the same things, Wahlberg and Kunis. And it, and it's like a lot of the background is is like ripped right from the movie, and they just put them in the foreground. It is hilarious. They even do the thing where he grabs, um, she grabs Mark Wahlberg's ankles and spins him in the circle and like throws him. So anyway, Ted does a great job of like paying homage to that uh, moment. <laughs> um, obviously, uh, the guy who wrote and directed it um, is a fan of Airplane um, and what comedian who grew up in this time wouldn't have been but uh yeah, i love that sure. um other yeah other jokes like the so, a lot of the play on word jokes in this like really like don't call me shirley shirley you must be serious don't call me shirley like that's really funny <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah when he, I forget the exact line, but whatever he says, all together now. And then Leslie Nielsen and the other lady both say the line back to him together. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, it's, it's the, so like the word plays good. Not, I, I, I love the I love the guitar, the woman singing the song with the little girl with the intervenous in. And and I love how everyone on the airplane gets very excited or interested in her singing. All those moments still really landed for me. Uh, for sure. There is... Um, uh, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, well, we'll just move on. Um, so, basically, the flick is about uh, a ex-fighter pilot, uh, Ted, um, who is in love with his lady friend, and she's had enough of his... Um, <laughs> enough of his shit. He's got a really serious drinking problem. And so uh, another play on <laughs> yeah. word is he cannot pour water into his mouth. Um, they just keep smashing back into that one. Uh, but he can't hold down a job and uh, he, he's in love with his girlfriend. She wants to leave him. So he jumps onto the plane and wants to chase her down. And then there is a, a big medical emergency on where anybody who is eating fish uh, ends up having uh, eggs laid in their mouth. 
uh, for some reason. Anyway, people are getting super sick, and who's going to fly the plane? Ted's going to fly the plane, and Leslie Nielsen is there. So another another um, thing about this flick is that they got people like um, Leslie Nielsen and Robert Stack and Lloyd Bridges because they had not done comedy before this. So another nuance of this movie that's lost on me because... I've seen the the Hot Shots movies and uh, you know Police Academy movies and and other flicks where these characters or close to have come back and played roles like this, um, but at this time I think it would have been really shocking for audiences to see these straight edge serious actors doing these crazy roles and and people like Leslie Nielsen turn this into a a whole second wave of his career because he obviously got into doing slapstick as a as a permanent job once this once this kind of hit uh, to a really great effect too leslie nielsen is a, an incredible actor yeah a lot of these guys were ser- serious dramatic very serious dramatic actors for sure um i i love that um the whole thing with um police squad because police squad was originally a tv show before they made those movies uh uh the naked gun and uh, it failed miserably. Nobody, nobody, people, apparently when it came out, people were watching it, but the audience kept falling off, so it got canceled. And uh, the crea- these guys who created this movie believe that the reason why the show failed is because when you're at home, you're like distracted. You go up to the, get something from the fridge or you're talking to someone in the living room and you would miss all of the jokes. So they, they revitalized it as movies and the movies worked. Because once again, you're in the theater, you're in the dark, and you have to pay attention. So you're seeing all of the gags that are going on, and you're not missing any of them. Um, that is like, uh, Airplane is a perfect example of that. Watching it today, I still saw things, or you guys saw things that I've never seen before. Like the little signs. What did the signs say that came up? Uh, yeah, no, no a smokadito or something like that, and go, go <laughs> sit in your seat. Smoko. And uh, yeah, a puta yeah, in your sita or whatever. Yeah, like all yeah, that shit. I never. I've seen this a million times and I didn't even notice those. Uh, I didn't notice how funny it was. I didn't read them closely enough. So, so this is such a visual style of comedy that if you're not paying attention, you could miss three or four jokes in like a second because that, that it moves is a so really, quickly. Yeah, that's a really strong supporting statement for this movie. Is that if you if you. <laughs> If you don't pay attention, you're not going to fall behind on the story or what's happening. You're just going to miss gags. For every five seconds of this yeah. movie you're not watching, you've missed a gag. So you got to go back. It is pretty much nonstop from the flower-giving um, faith people at the start who end up getting punched and get the shit kicked out of the throat. Uh, casual Stacks violence in this movie is, is massive. I mean, it um, used to be much more acceptable back in the old culture. Uh, the younger culture where uh, you know it was much more expected that you would hit somebody in response to some kind of a you know interaction or a shit talk or something right it was like like it really wasn't it's it sounds stupid but when we were kids I mean it was much more acceptable to hit people as a as a way to deal with things talk shit get hit that's pretty much the way it was and yeah we've gone away from that now um big time violence is bad to see uh so this film is rife with with like violent outbursts and other things like that um and also casual racism 
Oh, uh, racism. Yeah, not not too. even casual. Yeah, it's not even. I mean, casual and how it's delivered, it is still uh, every bit as much uh, racist as it was. From taking their coffee or taking their coffee like they like their men for the little girl to, I still can't decide if the jive stuff was racist or not. I just, I don't think jive in itself is racist. I don't think that. I think there was like obvious stuff in the movie, like with the spear being chucked at them, and then immediately after that, watermelon like being smashed. Yeah, and. Uh, and there was I can't remember what it was, but a bunch of there's a bunch of stuff. And I mean it's not just like racism against one specific group. It's kind of like everyone, I guess, except for white people, maybe, right? They go after the they go after the Jews, they go after women. I mean, like there's a lot of sexist stuff and too. Like they pretty much go after every they go after Asian people, they go after everybody. That this is what it's I like about things. it. That's what you go like ahead. about it. Cut that. Well, I like that there is there is no there is <laughs> so I'm gonna go when I go to Vegas again. Uh, I'm gonna go see Absinthe, and the reason I like Absinthe is because it's so no non PC. They like yeah. make fun of everyone in the audience, and they don't pick on one certain group. They pick on men, they pick on women, they pick on every race and every nationality. That's what this movie does. It doesn't. It's not selectively racist. It goes after everybody. So I think it's you know that makes it a little bit more fair. Like this would never pass the sniff test today. You no one would. <laughs> people would be outraged. Social media. If this movie came with today, social media would be going nuts. They would want it taken down. They would not be want it not shown. Um, yeah. yeah, it's very it's very interesting. Oh, when he's doing his Peace Corps work and he's the, the all the the African basketball he is are good at basketball and that's yes. just like oh yeah so that's another he, just he misses yeah. the hoop he misses the hoop when he's trying to teach them and then they all like all of them are getting it to go in it's so funny but here's yeah. the thing right this so like this has racialized humor yeah racist humor or racial humor I don't know which one it always fits in but it does feel like it is different see that was my idea just now um i think like if you look at blazing saddles blazing saddles is made with the intent to turn racism on its head right it is making fun of racists not being racist to be funny and this movie feels like it's be making racist jokes to be funny like you know when your racist uncle or whoever makes jokes off their side fucking mouth because they think no one can hear them. That's kind of what this... Uh, well, that, that's not even that. That's but isn't some blatant. of this... But isn't some of this just harmless? Like, black... that It makes fun of that black people are good at basketball. Like, are black people really going to be offended by that? If they saw that in the movie, they'd be like, hey, like, I'm going to, like, start, like, a campaign against this movie because it said we were good at basketball? I mean... I mean, it's all part know. of it, right? It's a stereotype more than racist, I guess. Yeah, but it's still racist. It's it's 100% racist. You can play play basketball. Every Asian person knows karate and can't drive. Like, if you're just throwing out stereotypes and talking about why they can or can't hurt, like, they definitely, you need to just... I mean, and I'm not saying that the humor can't exist, but I'm saying these things are all problematic in themselves. 
And it might not seem uh, I like mean, it I, because if the stereotype is that you have a big dick, you might be like, okay, except for when you actually don't have a big dick and then you got like a major problem because someone's going to look at you like you're broken if you can't play basketball. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, I like thought you were going to say that girls were that dating you because they think you, cause you're black and they think you have a big dick. And I threw a <laughs> wrench at it, but they're the same point. Yeah, no. Like, even if they're uh, uh, good-natured or not, not, um, I don't know. Like, whatever. X race is is lazy versus X race just happens to be better at basketball, right? One's a little bit more positively strung, but they're all part of the same thing. And so, it's really going to be a matter of not me saying whether it's okay or not. Uh, it's going to be how an individual kind of takes it and how far people want to run with it to say that, you know, this was mean spirited and, and whatever versus, oh, they were just pointing out some things that were big at the time. And, and this is a slice of life from that from that area. I certainly don't condone like this movie or any movie like it being banned because of what it is. It is what it is. It's a piece of history. It did what it did. And people, uh, lots of people at the time kind of liked it. And I don't think talk of this undertones of what's in the movie started would would have started popping up until like maybe the last couple of years if people have problem with this movie at all but i haven't really heard anything where people are coming back and being like this movie is inherently racist i think there's their grumblings of that around but this isn't a movie that is like stepping out of turn and being like whoa you cannot but do aren't that they anymore. but aren't no, they making no. fun of this aren't they making fun of the stereotypes like they're not i don't are, are they reinforcing them or are they so. mocking them I think they're just showing the stereotypes. But they're making fun of them. Like oh so like the air the How the, are they the making fun of them? So, so the okay, so the Arab the Arab airline had a are the Jewish airline had a beard and a scarf on the airplane. Like the airplane had a beard. Like and it had a and it had a, a scarf that was like yeah, I mean it's like, it's like oh no like going on in this movie, right? Like I can't say that a beard on something is problematic, right? I I maybe it fucking is. Maybe it's generalizing that. Not all, I don't not know. all, not all Israelis and Jews have the beards and and wear the no, thing. I mean, I I see what Colin's saying. You know, culturally, I think maybe but it is a thing to have beard in Israel. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Fuck it, it's about it. it's 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 just so and absurd, I, though. It's it's half statement. It's so absurd and silly that 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 like the airplane would look like that because it's Israeli air or whatever. It's of so course, absurd and, saying, and jokey. You can't equate every joke to the same bar, right? I just feel like all of the humor. The bar, but these jokes are not all the same. Like saying that the plane has a beard on it and stuff is much different than smashing watermelons and having like tribal people just naturally have basketball ability, right? Like these things are all different levels of statement and stereotype. Hmm. Yeah, well, no, I that's totally fair. But I mean, like, they, the, they make fun of nuns say too. This should be canceled. We're no, just no, talking about like the, the, the goddamn uh, aspect, right? I'd say like the the I mean the watermelon thing is just such a weird, long-standing one, and and the the throwing of the spear that that's like a bit harsher because that's directly related to a, an abhorrent term that people don't say anymore. Yeah. The being good at basketball is a little bit more lighthearted. Yeah. Because even a fool would see that there is a higher proportion of uh, uh, African Americans playing in the NBA than maybe uh, other color people, and funny or not, whatever, it's like that one's a little bit lighter because that's not mean spirited. Like, oh, you're really great at basketball because you're very tall and skilled. It's like, oh, damn you for saying that, but it's true. Um, 
you know. Uh, so I don't find the jokes in this necessarily mean spirited. Definitely out of date, and I don't think you'd get away with a lot of this today. It just wouldn't be written that way, or it would be people of the same race making the jokes so that it's not a, like a white guy making fun of whatever it would be it would probably maybe feel a bit more normal if it was delivered by the person whose race it was making fun of so that it can say I'm making fun of myself because self-deprecating humor is always funny sure I mean it it feels lazy um yeah mm. I like and I like a lot of the humor in here with the with the silliness and everything else but I don't know that to me feels feels lazy it feels unnecessary it is lazy it is yeah it's it's just interesting seeing like a, this it's movie a, it's an indication of the time right is what yeah. it is and we know what we're yeah. getting into we've watched a ton of old movies and movies newer than this that are just uh surprising it's 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 not any like none of us are, are promoting it we're just set, saying it, it's there this is what it is right and I think part of that is what maybe prevents the movies from holding up. Because if you took that out of this movie, you would have no debate for that this movie could transcend time with humor that's used, right? But as it is right now, that humor does not hold up to the time and date. But it definitely was uh, okay in, in the 80s, right? Especially in, in 1980s. I also think a lot of these... So, yeah, I think a lot of these stereotypes and stuff, a, a, a lot of this generation, this movie, like John said, is 43 years old. I think a lot of people wouldn't even get the stereotypes in some of these jokes because the stereotypes are so aged that like they're not even, no one uses these kinds of stereotypes anymore. Like the watermelon one, like where like no one would even get that that was racist. They wouldn't even get it. They wouldn't know why there was a watermelon. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, well, I so mean, the watermelon that's one, weird. The watermelon one's definitely still around. Yes, but there's, there's is? other ones, a hundred percent. Yes. Um, but the other wow, ones, I, I, I definitely agree with you. Like so, the so follow up similar films like Naked Gun. I can't. I don't think Naked Gun has any like borderline racist humor. No, not really. Uh, Maybe I can't recall. But there's got to be some. So. OJ's with, one of the uh, OJ, yeah. stars. Murderer. Um. There you go. Yeah. So you can get by without it. You can get by without it. And I definitely agree with Brent that 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 is the laziest, lowest form of humor that we got in here because it's just like sight gags and old things that were offensive. But if we say them funny, then they'll be funny. (laughs) And, you know, ultimately that's that's not great. And the fact that we're talking about it now on reflection in this movie, and it was on my mind a lot when we were watching it, are are things that um, it just reminds you that it was a slice of time um, and... That, that's where I kind of leave it. I'm not saying it's okay or not okay. I don't get to make the rules, but um, it's notable. Notable racism, casually. Yes. Yeah, it just stands out. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. I was trying to think, not- too. Like, there's some, uh, like, um, in the same kind of vein, there is more misogynistic kind of jokes. Um you know, there's a lot of men leading yeah. the way, and then when the woman's freaking out in her seat, there's a big lineup to kick the shit out of her. Um, a lot of beating up women, women in this. And that, so that was funny, but yeah, women get tossed around a little bit in this too, which is not okay today. That's the Connery treatment that woman <laughs> in the seat was getting. It's true. Oh, women sometimes, they know how to get you. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what he fucking yeah, said. I love how <laughs> you, but yeah. 
I love how Connery blame. I love how Connery blames in his interview. He blames women. It's their fault. He's yeah. like sometimes, sometimes they just take things too far, and you have to do it or whatever he says. Yeah, how dare he you said, make me do this to you? He's Bye, like bro, when wow, you've tried guys. everything. He says when you've tried everything else, then then you just jump right to that. Yeah, yeah. You can tell that his everything else, his two everything else toolbox, has got about one, maybe two tools. And I yeah, bet you pretty one limited. Of them is, I'm warning you, yeah. right? <laughs> then after yeah. that, kapop. Yeah. Pang after that, zoom. it's smack, smack for yeah, him. Pang zoom. <laughs> one of those old style abuse noises. <laughs> wagga, 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 wagga. Um, so That's a switch. So David Zucker, I believe, um, took on more of the directing role going forward from this. He's he's like the sole director of Naked Gun. I, I think it's David Zucker. or Jerry. Uh, he is a b- busy mother Zucker. Um, and the other guys slip back into directing roles. I mean, I find it so funny that all three are given directing credits on this flick. Like, they all spent time um, making sure this made it into the vision that they had. And um, you don't see that much. I mean, we've complained about some of the movies recently about having a writer-director. How about three writers, three directors? Uh, it kind of feels that way, way though. Because the structure is all over the place. Because um, we, we the way that we get into the the uh, what's his name Striker, what's the lead character's name again? It's Ted, Stryker, isn't it? Ted, Ted, Striker. Ted, Ted Striker. The way we get into him and her, and then we kind of like then they start introducing like the guys who are going to talk him down, and uh, the way they introduce the doctor and then he starts becoming a main player. The structure in this is kind of weird. What did you guys think of the structure of this? Yeah, Nielsen yeah. gets introduced late. Um, they spend like a lot Very of time late. setting up the girl and the stretcher and she has a part to play. But once that musical scene happens, she's just not in it anymore. Other characters, like they, they spend a bit of time setting everybody up who's getting on the plane, the Harry Krishna guys, the the jive speaking guys, the, the, the family with the little kid and like no one's got, no one's arcing. No one's doing that. They're just, they're just bit players around this. It's all really about the, 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 the plane. I mean, it is to a lesser extent about Ted and what's her name? Sheila. Uh, yeah. No, or uh, Elaine. 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 Yeah. But oh, we Ted's the only one. <laughs> Ted's the only one that has an arc and Ted, Ted telling everybody their past story and stuff. That's kind of strung throughout the first whole, the first act and the second act, like where he's t- telling them how they met and uh, with the disco, and then when they went to the Peace Corps, and then when they were trapped on the yeah. island or whatever. But uh, and then everyone keeps killing themselves. <laughs> who's who are listening to him tell the story? I, I always have liked that where they're hanging themselves or they're Harry Carey with the sword. Um, yeah, like the guy who's sitting beside him is like clearly dressed like a Japanese soldier from World War Two, and then he just pulls out his sword and stabs himself. So, like, That's, what's it's his name? Yeah, you guys knew yeah, yeah, the actor yeah. and what he'd been in. Hong James. Hong. Uh, Fuck. It's it's James very Hong. messed That's up right. structure yep. of a movie yeah. for sure. Like, did you guys think that the structure was a negative? No, because of the type of movie it is. Yeah. Like the, if you think about the structure in terms of she leaves him, he runs to the airport to catch her. She gets on the plane. He finds the plane she's on and buys a ticket. 
that's all very fucking a smoking ticket sense (laughs) yeah smoking ticket um he gets on the plane the plane takes off and then the fish is bad every there's a there's a crisis the crisis brings them together right it's it, the problem why the structure I think feels bad and weird is because a lot of like like you indicated I think or maybe it was John indicated um, earlier there was something that was set up deliberately and then you don't see her oh the girl in the in the thing right that basically is just set up for yeah. later when they do the song and there's a bunch of that and I kept I think I kept pointing out a bunch of them but I was like. Oh, there it is. Because you could smell when it would happen, right? Yeah. yeah. Like right at the very beginning, the guy gets in the taxi and he's like two seconds and runs out and he turns on the meter. Yeah. And yeah. you know that you're going to see that guy again. I half expected to see him at the end of the movie there. Um, yeah. You did it again for the painting that the guy was doing and the painting was of this character and you're just like what's with that guy's leg because it was wrapped around his head and then it shows the model that was doing it and he has the leg wrapped around his head and i was just like ah it all hits so i agree i think what it is fucking land for me big time there's an a story in this with ted and elaine but there's no b story it's just gags so it's the a story with half gags and it's the half gags where this goes awry and where i think uh, not awry but it's just that's why the structure and the story feel off in this movie because outside of the main part of what's happening, which is about half the movie, I guess, with the other half not being as good, a movie like The Naked Gun uh, has a much better overall structure. There's still plenty of gags, but they don't stray far from the main storyline. And it actually does create a B story um, that you that you also get into and get behind with him. He's not just working the case. He's also dating. Um, what's her name? So this movie was lacking that for sure, and and uh, I'm glad we talked about this to put something on it because I couldn't quite put my finger on where this the the structure was going astray, and I think it's that there should have been a second thread of something like maybe it's that the the other um, flight attendant who I can't remember her name, but she's the only one who doesn't get sick and kind of keeps things going. Maybe it was something more around her and her adventures in the back of the cabin while the others were having adventures in the front, but I don't know if that would have even made a huge difference to me. Well, no, there's a there's a B here, story, but it, really. the the B story comes in like the third act instead of the second act because the B story is supposed to happen on page thirty, but it happens like an hour in, and it's the story with the guys at the airport who are trying to talk him down, and the one who's like a hopeless addict to everything, and then the other one is Robert Stack, who is like the guy who used to be in his company, and he's going to talk him down. It's that's supposed to be like the B story, I think. But it just comes yeah. so late in the movie that, like, that's what the structure part that's messed up is for me. Is we spend so much time with Stack and um, Bridges and the people in the airport who are trying to trying to handle an emergency, but like, there's there's no real arc for any of them, or like, there's there, well, there's just no, they're just like random people that are like thrown in there at the end. There's no setup. No, and it's not. It doesn't come in at the right time. It's not set up well, and then when it's done, like I guess we all get to the same conclusion at the end of the day. But I really, yeah. Like at some point, they bring uh, the wife of the pilot who got sick into the control room, and she's just there. And her one scene, she's feel she sleeps with a horse when she's get she gets caught. Well, I think that's caught, Roger Over's wife. Horse. Yeah, the main pilot who, who is sick, yeah. and then then she's feeling up Robert Stack and the thing. But it's not like that was. 
important to anything. It's just no, it's more just gags. Jokes. Like, why was she even jokes, there? Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I, I think some other additional bits to, to help tie things together would have would have kind of helped this movie along a little bit. Because not every joke yeah. hits the, now. In, in watching it today, not every joke hits the same. This is more a lot of chuckles rather than a laugh out loud funniest thing I've ever seen. Especially now. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it. yeah, it's not laugh out loud, but it's you're enjoying yourself while you're watching because there's so many little things, right? Yep. It's, it's, it's like Naked Gun in that way. I don't think Naked Gun inspires you so much for like belly laughs as much as it does like with a constant flow of... Of of chuckle, yeah, right, yeah, it's nonstop. But yeah, and I think it needs to be toned down. You can't laugh like that for two hours or for an hour and twenty or whatever, right? It's. I think it's nice to give you either big spikes or give you a little level. You're looking at me like I'm full of shit. No, I'm thinking. I'm thinking because like the Naked Gun is the the movie I would compare this to the most, and Naked Gun definitely has some moments of of romance even though it's funny and then there's some seriousness but i don't know they keep trickling it all the way through with some bigger comedy moments so even the down normal time quote unquote has still got the jokes rolling which this movie still does um so that that part of it is is uh is great i just feel like the naked gun had a overarching story that was a bit more complete and thought out and it stuck to it than 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 just the other part of this movie that is just the gags. They happen to take place in this universe and they're funny still, um, but but the naked gun's a bit different in that they're all related to moving things forward or or while things are going forward. Yeah, I don't... I can't say whether that's true or not, so I'll go with your thing. Okay, thanks, man. And and accept that. All right. Uh, I had a fucking point until I started talking. Jesus. (laughs) You were smart assing it. Uh, no, it was going to be a good point, actually. And I fucking oh. deprived everyone, including myself, of thinking that I have a legitimate brain. Oh. Legitimate brain. It'll come to you. Somebody take a fucking talking period. <laughs> Colin, <laughs> like we, you asked the question and then we talked a bunch. Where are you on story and structure? You're our story expert. I just feel like this 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 structure is definitely got an issue this time. Uh, I've never Flashbacks. really watched it, this movie for, for structure. But um, I guess you are still following Ted and you want him to land the plane. And so and then he does have an arc. Um, and he, he does, you know, achieve, he's successful. And, and, and then at the end he wants, they want him to stay up, but he wants to save the passengers. The doctors told him that he can't, he can't use the fuel and stay in the air to try and buy time. He, he has to go in and he has to do it and he does it. So I guess, you know, in the end of the day, he succeeds and, and he, the whole, the whole movie, he's, um, kind of lost and having a problem, and he he's struggling with the past, and they have the flashbacks of the that are always cutting in when he's like stressed out. So I guess the structure is it's messed up, but it still works in some ways. It definitely does not not work. Like you're never lost in this movie. No, and that's true. So that's a that's a big plus. Like it's just, it's just this is not the kind of movie, like I said earlier, that you get lost on what's happening. You just if you don't watch for a, a couple of minute period, you're just going to miss gags mostly. 
but you yeah. could leave for 20 minutes of this movie and come back and you might be wondering why Elaine is giving head to the co-pilot blow up doll but you just laugh it away and be like oh it's airplane that's what's happening yeah here. no it's true interesting so airplane spawned a couple of sequels uh anyone had any exposure to airplane 2 the airplane inning or airplane 3 i'm in a giant flying can that's not the names officially I, i've seen i've seen lots of airplane i've seen airplane, airplane 2 <clears throat> i didn't either i still don't I, I didn't this is the first time i'm hearing that i'm 99 uh and the reason i know that is because i was looking at some of the Airplane and Airplane 2, the sequel. Sorry, there's just an Airplane 2. Uh, but I it wasn't the show. same writers. They they actually did Police Squad after this, the show. They didn't want to do the sequel for this, so they handed over reins to someone else, and I'll figure out who the heck that is. I remember seeing that Police Squad show, and I think maybe it was because I was very young, um, but I thought I liked it. I never saw the show. Um, no. But, did you guys but ever like, watch Get Smart? Yes. Okay. I, I did watch that. Get Smart that, wasn't yes. slapstick, but it was funny. And it was, yeah, no, it, but it was it was funny. It had that humor. He's like talking into his shoe and shit. I mean. Yeah, they didn't who, hold who, back. Really? Who throws a who shoe? Who throws a shoe? <laughs> um, who throws a shoe? Now, this movie, while people mocked uh, or or homaged the general structure, there's not a lot, like, hand-ripped from this one, um, as I've seen in other kind of comedy movies where people, like, directly rip. I mean, Colin was talking about the Ted movie scene. Um, so, it's interesting. I'm trying to think of how this movie might have uh, uh, inspired you know today's age uh filmmakers with uh with the kind of comedy I'm, I'm sure i'm just not putting dots together like i guess you can just say that any slapstick movie can look back to this as its its inspiration yeah i can't say that this is the first ever though would you say that airplane is the first i think i mean this is the one that kicked it all going and it and maybe it's that these these three guys just also went on to make more slapstick things um <laughs> Um, that followed but like there are other movies I'm wondering about like Groucho Marx and stuff like that having a foundation as like the first I'm wondering I'm looking it up here yeah so silent film slapstick Buster Keaton Charlie Chaplin so like those guys all were the guys I think that true the foundation three stooges Laurel and Hardy but those were if I'm not mistaken those were straight straight slapstick type things this this was a little different in that it was like taking a, a what was known as a serious topic and turning that into the slapstick so a disaster it's movie a mad 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 world uh that's lots of mads. what about uh fuck when would um when did uh what's his face make the young frankenstein oh that was um is that 80s? Val Kilmer? That was. I uh, think that's after. Yeah. Uh, Young Frankenstein, I think, is after this. And that, what was um? Oh, geez, Colin, what was the one with Val Kilmer that slapsticky like 74 this? Seventy-four is Young Frankenstein. 
Really? That's not Val Kilmer. Yeah, so think about Mel Brooks too. Mel Brooks, Jesus. Think about Mel Brooks. Yeah. All the shit he did, Blazing Saddles and all that shit. That's all right, definitely all right. slapstick. When yeah. was Blazing Saddles? That had to be. That had to be 73, I bet. 74. It's 74? Blazing Saddles, yeah. So is Young Frankenstein. Wow. Holy crap. I didn't realize those that's, are older than this. So there wild. you go. There you go. All right. So this movie did nothing but perpetuate that. I was sorry to fact, sorry to fact check that. I love it. But these, but wait a sec though. Wait a sec though. These aren't the same. I don't think these are the same thing though. Like even Young Frankenstein, those movies are not quite the same as this. Like in, in Young Frankenstein, you don't have wild off the wall things happening like this. Do you know what I mean? It's absurd and silly. Do. What about Transylvania 65000? What the fuck? Uh, what well, about it? I feel like <laughs> these I'm guys. If that's older. <laughs> I feel like these guys created their own genre almost. This to well, me. Well, that's what I'm trying to figure. That's what I'm trying yeah. to figure because this spoofed I think, a disaster flick with this slapstick comedy. That combination is what maybe was unique, uh, but I don't I think know for what sure. What is unique is the style because this. Me, feels yeah, me too. Like like Naked Gun, they they have a feel and the the exact humor used, right? It's like a fucking uh, what's his name that made the Forty Year Old Virgin and all that shit, right? Like, uh, you can. Oh, I was just on Apatow. You guys aren't helping at all. Apatow, thank <laughs> you. Judd Apatow, yeah. <laughs> you can feel Apatow humor as it carries on, right? You yeah. can feel like the themes of these movies. And this just has, I think, a feel that's there more so than than like inventing um, a genre. It may have like redefined or um, or or brought its own spin on it, but I think very much it's a flavor thing more than a new ingredient or or combination, right? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, like I I'm, agree. Now I'm thinking about now I'm thinking about Spaceballs. Which has lots oh, Christ, of the yeah. visual slapsticky Mel Brooks, right? Like perfect. That's or, or, after this, is it? Yes, definitely. Blazing Saddles before. So? Yeah, that sounds about because it would have had to have been after all the Star Wars movies. I bet that's eighty four. Spaceballs. That's my guess. Brent's doing the search right now. Um, eighty seven. Wow. Eighty seven. Wow. Okay. So, but even that movie had. Did that movie slapstick like See, this find, all the I way find through? I that different than this. Okay, talk. The same way I find Blazing Saddles different from Airplane. Do you know what I mean? Like Mel Brooks also has his own thing that's very distinguishable. Uh, when you watch a Mel Brooks movie, you can you can feel Mel Brooks in it. I agree, but it is slapstick. It's like surreal a little bit, and it's still, spoofing, yeah. which is but all it's like, in it's line. It's like you and I can both make a horror movie. Yeah. Okay. And it'll be totally different in a feel, right? And if we both make second horror movies, I anticipate that those will be more reminiscent of our own firsts rather than each other's. And mine would have part two in the title. <laughs> if... <laughs> mine would just put an ING at the end. <laughs> the killing. I think this has its own style. This is unlike... This is unlike anything, like other than the stuff they otherwise made. The Naked Gun is different than Mel Brooks completely. The, this is different than Mel Brooks' humor completely. It's all absurd and silly, but um, I don't know. This, 
And also, Mel, all Mel Brooks stuff is making fun of Jewish people and, and Jewish stereotypes. And, like, it's so... That's, like, his almost main goal, like, is to do that. It's in a weird it's way. It's just like John said. It's, like, self-deprecating, right? It's, like, you grow up in a it culture. It is self-deprecating, that culture. Yeah. yeah. Make the content you want to see, right? And you'll find an audience. And then there's people like us. Like, when when we were young... I mean, me and my friends, I'm assuming you guys also love these movies, right? Monty Python, shit like that, right? Oh, yeah. These guys would have stolen so much from Python. These guys would have uh, probably totally. been huge yeah. Python fans. Yeah, I'd but, imagine. I mean, um, I mean, we love these things, and we didn't get all those references. Like, all the Jewish Pi- stuff, right? We just kind of, I think a lot of times... We just assume the jokes, right? If we don't get them, we assume kind of the meaning behind them. They're usually pretty easy to to assume what the what the intent is behind it. And uh, yeah, that's I, fair. I don't mind it for that reason. But even as a as a as a young, completely oblivious kid watching these things, I mean, the things that slip by slip by. There's still a quality to be had. She's turned from and suck I, to blow. Yeah. <laughs> <things like> yeah. <laughs> But I think I think that's I I don't like that I I don't like that about Mel Brooks movies specifically because um, they are so much just about making fun of Jewish uh, stereotypes and Jewish people and like that that joke kind of gets kind of old if he keeps making like full movies where that's all it's about although I guess Blazing Saddles and Spaceballs makes fun a lot a lot about space movies and like what john just said but they're so heavily like like um yoda is jewish and he calls it the schwartz instead of the force and like all of that stuff um it just it doesn't hold up very well or translate i think today oh that's funny because i don't view that stuff so much as making fun of jewish as much as just like it's like the jewish like schwartz is a jewish sounding thing and that's something that he thinks is funny i i like i do agree that those other things are in there but i don't know that that maybe it's as thick yeah you have to watch perception yeah you have to watch it she doesn't look jewish yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah you have to watch it today like i would say i would say 50 percent 50 percent of the jokes in his movies have some kind of uh, connection to that, that one thing. And he's obviously a Jewish person, so he has carte blanche in making making the jokes because, you know, just like a black comedian can say certain things. Of course. But uh, that does kind of, um, I don't know, to me sometimes it does get a a little bit repetitive is all I'm saying. Yeah, no. For sure, for sure. If you go back to the same tropes over and over again, then you're doing yourself a disservice, even if you change the setting of the movie and do a whole different movie. Um, Okay, well, let's pull it on back to our flying in a tin can movie airplane. And um, are we ready to start to bring this one home? Any other points anyone wants to bring up? Or do you think we want to get this one called? I want to go last. I want to go last because I want to hear what you guys have to say. No, because you know what? We've went first the last bunch of weeks. I know, but this is kind of like, I've seen this one a zillion times, so it's hard for me to judge it. I have the, what do you call it? Right. The, no, I've got the right. nostalgia goggles on. 
Oh, I yeah. need some real criticism. All right, Brent, do you want to go or do you want me to go? I'll let you. Uh, I'm not afraid. I'll go first. Yeah. Um, I will say that uh, politics aside on the fucking racial jokes, I think that this movie holds up as far as being like an enjoyable watch. It's a... Uh, there's an argument to be had that that racist shit obviously doesn't stand up to the date. And, um, I, with this and like a bunch of other stuff in other movies, I'm easy to, uh, disregard that, um, when I'm watching it and pay attention to the things that I enjoy. And this movie has enough of that for me to think it's, it's a fine. It's, problematic and that's the way things were <laughs> i don't know what the fuck i'm spitting out here no it's I, fine it's fine it holds up it's fine how about that it's fine yeah this this is one of those weird ones where there are definitely some moments where you you see something and you're like oh what i don't you can't do that anymore but is it necessarily wrong yeah it seems kind of wrong but is it evil and should it be stricken no i don't know like that stuff doesn't really play huge into me mostly because when i go to a comedy show i know not to take things too seriously that i'm seeing uh and and i'll i'll be the first to say there is comedy that is out of bounds in certain situations but for the time that this was made in and you get to take a flashback in the past to see how things kind of were i feel kind of the same as brent this is not anywhere near my favorite slapstick of of this type of movie like I like Naked Gun way more than this and I'm interested to actually see if we could do Spaceballs at some point to see how that's kind of standing up because I think I don't know that's maybe one of the most famous Mel Brooks I ones we did that I don't think we did Spaceballs I think we've been avoiding Spaceballs because Colin doesn't because like I considered it. it for this well maybe we'll consider week. it for December I, I mean I, I would know. do we'll Spaceballs oh. I, I would we could do Spoof December, I would do all spoofy movies. We don't have anything uh, planned. We're do some fucking nice period of happiness. I think so because it's That's, been so I think serious. So too. And, uh, we might Agreed. have to pick one Christmas flick and then the ever elusive New Year's flick. There's we'll never get be better Christmas than Strange spoof. Days. We could do Harold and Kumar Christmas. There you go. There you go. Um, but also, I, I think this movie is also fine, and it's it's definitely funny if you want a, a bit of a sense of a, a flash and what people in the '80s were laughing at. I think this is a, a pretty good representation, and this this movie lit up for especially for this group, but it, it it kind of leaned into some other '80s movies that I'm very very fond of, like through the, the Naked Gun movies and all that, which I already said. So, yeah, I'd say this this holds up. It, it'd be pretty thin, not my favorite comedy, uh, and this one also has the distinction of being said by me to be an important movie in history um, because it, 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 it tried some things out and a lot of those things uh, stuck that were perpetuated later. And that means it's an important movie in, in, um, in the grand scheme of things. And it just also so happens to just kind of hold up too. So, yay. I'll tag, I'll tag onto that really quick to say this movie is important also for the reason that it brought us Leslie Nielsen as a comedic actor. Yeah, yeah. Because he's fucking perfect in movies like this, the way that he plays it. Yeah. I mean, Leslie Nielsen is probably a big reason why this movie still does work out. They were talking about Dom DeLuise for this, and probably there's a shitload of people that don't know who that is. But he was a big, fat fucking uh, comic that would be in the movies. 
I said big fat fucking like he was like gigantic. It's it's much later now. Probably by today's <laughs> Texan standards, he's he'd be skinny slightly. <laughs> but he uh, he was he was a, a big comedian, and he was he was great and he was funny. But uh, I don't think he'd be near as good as Leslie Nielsen in these movies or in this type of role. So agreed. Fucking uh, great, great, great. Lloyd great, Bridges great. too. Because we Lloyd, Lloyd Bridges, Bridges has too, done sure. a couple of com- com- comedy movies after this too that he really stuck out in for being good in his whole like sniffing glue. Funniest scene with Bridges in this one is when he's hanging upside down after having sniffed glue, and he just has that look and he pans over to the to the thing. That's fucking. That is a really hilarious moment too. Yeah. So the reason I didn't want to go first is because I did think this movie held up, but I, I, I I've seen it so much, and I, I'm like so. I think Brent's right as and also about the racism like as a as a white Canadian male like heterosexual like the, I wouldn't be offended by the jokes they make about like there's even like gay jokes like the one guy is clearly supposed to be their interpretation of a gay person who works at the airport and Leon's getting larger <laughs> uh, anyway that guy um, but like I laugh and I smile and like I still think that the humor is great and it does have a it's very short and it does have a, a story that is a straight line where the hero succeeds in the end and wins and gets the girl back although I don't know if he's changed enough that Elaine should be taking him back I I think in Airplane 2 they're broken apart again and he's still trying to get her back <laughs> and they have to go to the moon in a space shuttle in that one um, oh, so, crazy. yeah, and it's and uh, the captain is uh, William Shatner. Our William Shatner is in it in some way, anyway. But uh, so check out Airplane Two uh, if you haven't seen it. But uh, yeah, it it's. I mean, I I enjoy. There's so many things about this movie that I enjoy, and they they're the, the some of the writing is so smart. I it, even though it's silly and absurd, there's a there is an intelligence to it. Um, like some of the scenes like where the woman is dropping off her boyfriend her military uh, officer boyfriend and she's running alongside the plane, plane like a train uh, and then like she runs through the pack of people standing there and starts knocking things over and he's just waving goodbye to her that yeah. just makes me so happy there's so many of those things that make me so happy in this that like I, I do say that it holds up it, I just didn't want to be the one who'd seen it so much and I I was relying on my nostalgia uh, to make my decision. I was gonna. I was gonna say you were afraid. Uh, I was afraid. To, to I was afraid by the nostalgia, the nostalgia goggles. I thought I had those on for this one, but the fact that you guys both feel the same way makes me uh, feel better that it's not just nostalgia. <clears throat> that there seeing, is something to this. I remember seeing something else about the movie. the The guy in the tower that you're talking about, Colin, whether he's gay or not, he's he's playing it pretty flamboyant. But he's never the he's butt gay. of the joke. <laughs> but he's never the he's butt of the, the joke. Of the There's joke, no gay jokes at him. He is just funny, and he's a flamboyant and maybe gay character. And I was like, that that's great for the for for seeing that this early. And do you guys film. know what this gets on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, yeah, uh, not seventy-seven. John. I would say in the high 80s, I'd say. 97 <laughs> with yeah. an audience score of 80 an audience score of 89. So There's my high. So yeah, a, that's the that's the nostalgia. Goggles. I think so too. 70 being a well, but no no no, movie. it just says 70 70 critics gave it 
Out of 70 critics, 97% of them gave it positive reviews. That's it. And yeah, eight, 89 percent of the audience like back. loved it, right? So that's that's deceiving, though. You can't say the movie gets 97 percent. No, no, it's 97 percent of people that gave a positive review. A positive review being a fucking wide category, like a 5.1 out of 10 is. Well, I'm reading their reviews, and so like, but I'm reading their reviews. Nice. That is a weird way to say it. <laughs> I I know, uh, but everybody should understand how that that Rotten Tomato works, right? Like like and the well, reviews, reading them are glowing. the The actual reviews are glowing. Believe, I can't believe that you guys still use that site after it was fucking shown that they're bullshit. <laughs> they are bullshit. Yeah, but Huge bullshit. They, they, they've. It doesn't. No, you can't say that though. You can't just say like, "Oh, I know that they've been discredited and they're not giving good fucking uh, information." But but, but you're taking that's not the case on this one. No, that's what I'm saying. You're taking it out of context. Like people were paying them for newer independent movies to give them good reviews. Nobody paid them to give a good review to Airplane. No one gave them a Maybe. dime. So if they're giving it a, no one gave them a dime from Paramount Shit, Pictures' Maybe. 1980 comedy. No one's <laughs> giving them money to review that movie. Hey, Rotten Tomatoes is new. They've got these movies on. It's only fucking potential for these guys to get a little resurgence in capital. Fucking uh, blow it up. Blow up my movie, bitch. Blow it up <laughs> yeah, my movie. Uh, I'm just saying, you can't they're use trying to sell. a fucking they're credible just trying to source sell that proves themselves not to be. I'm it's just interested that it got such a high rating. And That's all. Uh, Internet Movie Database until... We find out they're also bullshit. Well, what did IMDb give it? 7.7. 7. That's why that's what I guessed. Yeah, that's super high. That's super high. I gave it a 7 on my account. All right. <laughs> so let's bring it down to what's coming now in December. We uh, have been doing some heavy movies this year. Lots of heavy stuff. We did Schindler's List. We did. Uh, we tried to do Seven Samurai in The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, and we just failed at that uh, because they're super long, super old. So we wanted to lighten things up. So we're going to have an easy, breezy, beautiful cover December. Um, so we're going to start things off next week with... Uh, uh, Harold and Kumar, is it go to White Castle? Harold and Something Kumar like that. White That's Castle. exactly right. Nice. Uh, or Harold and nice Kumar job, one because they made three of those movies. Uh, we're going to follow that up with Spaceballs because how are you going to talk about spoofy movies without Spaceballs being an inspiration? And then we're further inspired by Blazing Saddles. So we're going to follow up Spaceballs with Blazing Saddles. We're going to have a little bit of a Mel Brooks run. Then we're going to go, because I've been watching uh, Rescue Me on uh, FX, um, which stars Dennis Leary in like my favorite role for him. It gone from a comedian who just like smokes really fast and talks really vulgar to actually showing some acting chops. Not amazing acting chops, but pretty good. So we're going to go do his Christmas comedy for our Christmas episode, The Ref. And then we're going to finish out just with a little guilty pleasure in Your Highness. Because um, weed movies are funny, yo. And Playful Secrets, that's the other quote I cannot wait to do. Uh, <laughs> that movie's full of some nice nuance, too. And a stacked cast. Um, so that's all great. So that's our December coming up for you folks. We are super stoked about that. We hope that you are, too. From this moment on, though, we are going to say goodbye in this episode. Go check out Airplane if you've not seen it. What planet have you been on? Go check it out in all its glory. Watch every minute. Don't miss a joke. And enjoy and revel in the uh, amazingness. And close your ears for the racism. 
That's about the best we can offer for that one. Uh, I think our next set of movies... No, there's going to be some racism in Blazing Saddles, I guarantee. So we'll cross that wow, bridge. But like I said, I think Blazing Saddles plays it differently. Let's see. I can't wait. I'm so excited for that. So, folks, that's great. We're going to sign out for this one. We'll check you in next week's episode, which will be Herod and Kumar. Go to White Castle. Until then, folks, enjoy your shit. Thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Our handle is holdup underscore podcast. You can fire us a comment or two, add a movie to our wish list, and we always post a hint about our next episode in the middle of the week. Feel free to drop us an email directly if you've got some feedback for us. Our email is podcast.holdup at gmail.com. Our podcast can be found where most podcasts are these days. Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and Player FM.